0: Hey y'all and welcome back to Group
1: Therapy. I'm one of your hosts, licensed clinical psychologist Dr. Kristen Casey. I'm licensed clinical psychologist Dr. Jessica Raven.
2: And I'm licensed psychologist Dr. Jay.
1: And I'm licensed clinical social worker Kristen Kingrick because I did not want to do a dissertation. So glad you are all here because we are
0: covering anxiety today aka Jessica Ravens. We have so much to talk about <laughs> so settle in, take a seat, and welcome to Group Therapy. Last week we discussed social media and the on mental health, and we left you all with a reflection question. What social media platform and or accounts that you find the most beneficial for your mental health? You had some really good answers. So, somebody said, the Survivor's Advocate is one of my absolute favorite accounts on mental health. She shares resources and also uses her platform to talk about things that are not about enough yet one and personally i love a modern therapist love his content and his personality makes me smile i wrote that did you fucking really
2: no i didn't
0: oh, damn it jensen <laughs> no did you oh god no, I, I have such it. anxiety
3: about this google doc right now it's he so totally bad would write it about himself though
2: no i wouldn't go there. i've far. never
1: heard of him i should me probably either. check yeah. out his account i don't know sounds yeah. kind of sus to me oh my gosh might be was... imposter There was the
0: Truth Doctor, Micheline, Dr. Mm. Kate Palseri. I love them. Um, The Useless Farm. Somebody So good. So So good. good. Therapy for Women, Jordan Pickle Mm. Counseling. And then some people were talking about the platforms that they like to use. So uh, one person commented that they like to use Instagram. They tried Snapchat Mm. and TikTok and they ended up closing their accounts. um, And then they only use Facebook to keep in touch with family and use marketplace features, which I think we talked about last time. Be kind of crazy in there. Uh, but Instagram is just for her, and it works for her. Which one do y'all like the most?
1: I like TikTok.
0: Yeah. Justin, what about you? Uh, uh,
2: well, Whoa. I, I like, like the engagement question. and audience I have on Instagram is how I'd word that.
3: I love it. just what about you? I think like I said in last week's episode, it depends on what my intent is. I, I feel mm, like yeah. I'm partial to Instagram. Um, I probably consume more actual content and create more content there. But like for mindless scrolling, I love me some TikTok.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Valid. Yeah. What I'm about the same you, as Jess.
0: I like TikTok, but I feel like Instagram could be cool too. But okay, so we're talking about anxiety today. So how would y'all define anxiety? Um, we could start with Jess.
3: So oh. I think of anxiety as really like a fear of the future, or worries about the future, or a future event, like something into that you're anticipating. Mm. Justin, what about you?
2: It, that's also what I picture. I, I think the symptoms that go along with that, you know, you can have a lot of. Emotional symptoms. You can be irritable. You it can impact your sleep. I think um, it can mess with your energy. But I I do when I just think of generalized anxiety disorder, I think exactly what you just said. Someone stuck in a futurizing worry mode that's chronic, Mm -hmm. you know, over over a long period of time, not situational. Kbi.
1: I agree with all of that. I mean, I. Definitely, like, my, like when I think of, like, my own anxiety, like, some of it is definitely really rational, but I find that a lot of my anxiety is taken to the next level and tends to be, like, sometimes I, I enter into the world of, like, still rational, but it has a level of irrational that I'm like, whoa. Like, sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, whoa, I gotta, whoa. I gotta check myself because that's not gonna happen i've now taken it to level 10 and now i'm psyching myself out like when it's 11 o'clock at night and i hear a bump in my house and it just is that my dog jumped off the bed and i'm now thinking that there's an axe murder in my house and i'm walking around with a knife because i'm like convinced (laughs) that there's someone in my house I mean, anxiety does that. I think anxiety is helpful and useful, though, in certain situations.
0: It helps oh, yeah. us, like, if we think about performance anxiety, it could be helpful to a certain extent. Um, or anxiety just in general about, like, oh, I have to do this one thing today, or I have to go to the doctor's office, or I have to do something, and then it kind of prepares you for that moment. But I think there's always a tipping point with anxiety where people start to feel, like KBI, hey, yeah, like you were saying, like out of control, like it just, it's happening at weird times, like I don't know what mm-hmm. to do about it. There's no real solution So I do think people could get caught up in that too.
1: Well, to kind of go off what you said, right? Anxiety does have a purpose. And I think sometimes like we constantly want to say like, I never want to experience anxiety ever again. But the reality is anxiety a lot of the time is what keeps us safe. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the reason why like, and, and that kind of goes into fear. It kind of, you know, envelops into that. But it's the reason why we don't just, a lot of, most people don't just walk on the edge of a cavern. Because we have the, like, the fear, the anxiousness of, of falling off. Um, and so there's pieces of that that are innate in us biologically. Um, and that's why I always say, like, we're never going to get rid of anxiety because you don't want to get rid of it. Because if you get mm-hmm. rid of it, sense of safety is gone. Um, so it's, it does play an important role in our lives. It's when it starts impacting our daily life and our daily functioning is when anxiety starts to become a problem. Mm.
3: I love that you brought that up, KBI, and going off of something else you said earlier about like some of it's very rational and then some of it is that catastrophizing, like, oh, I heard a bump Mm. and my mind goes to axe murderer. I see that a lot working in the hospital. Like a lot of my kids and teens that I work with have medical anxiety and it's very – valid and rooted in real Mm. life experiences. So if they have anxiety about an upcoming medical treatment or their mortality, a lot of times that anxiety is based in reality, Um, Mm. whether it's based on past experiences or the, you know, nature of their diagnosis. And to Mm. your point, KBI, that anxiety serves to keep them safe because, you know, if you have a chronic medical illness that has the potential to result in your death and you have anxiety about your death, you're more likely to go to the doctor. You're more likely to engage in behaviors to keep yourself as healthy as possible. Um, So I love that both of you all brought up that it can be very adaptive because I think people think anxiety and they go to generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorder, some type of life impacting anxiety that impacts your functioning where I would argue that everybody has experienced anxiety at some point in their life.
2: Mm. Yeah. I I hate being the semantics guy because I, I don't feel that internally, but a lot of times I think stress is very like motivating. I don't always know that anxiety is though. And I say that not to like, Again, wordsmith people, because I think a lot of times when people are talking about anxiety, I think they're talking about stress. Like all of us experience stress. Stress is very motivating. But the mind going to a worrying loop, and I get that we can have moments of worry. And to me, that's worry. Like you worried about something. But to me, what defines anxiety is that looping around, like anxiously predicting the future, and again, this might be more defining of the disorder, but I I think stress is something we all experience. You get stress for a test, you get stressed for a job interview, you get stressed for what might happen after graduation. But when you work with people with chronic anxiety, the worry is different and above that of what would be a normal stress. I don't know if y'all disagree with that. You kind of agree. But I I think of that a lot, of someone who's studied stress a lot, that I'm like, are people talking about stress or anxiety?
0: Yeah, I think there's different ways to capture it, you know? And I I think, like you're mentioning, I don't necessarily disagree, so I just want to lay that out there. But yeah, I, I think many people look at stress and they say, oh, I'm anxious, or they might be anxious and say, I'm stressed, right? So I think for some people, they could use the terms interchangeably. When I think of the primary goal or purpose in general of anxiety, right, is it gets you to think about something, you know, that might happen, you know, in the future or that you might experience. But to your point, Justin, there is this cycle with anxiety, right? Like you could feel it and you might stay there mentally. So for example, Mm. I think anxiety is like similar to that, um, the analogy, like with the rocking chair, it gives you something to do, but it doesn't really get you that far. You know, it's just, you're doing something, but it's not super helpful. I think when people are able to intervene on their anxiety, right. And say, Oh, my brain is telling me something's not quite right. Like maybe I should intervene here. I think in those moments it's very useful. It's almost like a warning sign maybe for other things. But to your point, if you're always in that ruminative cycle or that like, you know, you're just kind of thinking and thinking and you're all in your mind, then it's not so helpful. And then yeah, I would capture that as anxiety. You're really making me reflect, Justin,
3: because I was like, I know I use them interchangeably? But I think for me, and I can only speak to my experience, that I experience stress and anxiety different, but the same situations could be stressful or anxiety provoking. So like if, Mm. for example, I'm going to bed at night and I start feeling anxious about my work day the next day and how many consults am I going to get? Am I going to go to the meetings? Am I going to, you know, complete all my work? That's very anxiety provoking. Now, the next day going through that, I'm feeling more stressed in the moment. Because I'm not necessarily thinking future, like, you know, I'm worried I won't get this done. It's more like I'm in the weeds of it. And Mm. this was going to be a question I was going to ask all of you all, but for me, I experience the two differently. So like for me, anxiety is very like increased heart rate. I get like stomach aches, Um, but stress is like a lot of tension in my body and I withdraw a lot more. So and that's just me and that also could be like years of therapy and working on my own stuff, but how, I don't know. How do you all, when you do experience anxiety, experience it and can you differentiate between that and other things like stress?
0: Yeah. I think, Justin, you are getting me to think, which is why I love this podcast. Um, when I just, to your point, when I experience stress, it feels like this like buzzing of, you know, I, I just feel like I'm either overwhelmed or I have a lot going on. But it feels almost like, depending on the type of stress, I feel like there's a little more control that I have cognitively over stress. Um, Mm. With anxiety, I feel like I'm all in my head. But for you, Jess, you're in your body, right? Like you're noticing like those um, physical symptoms. So I think everybody experiences it differently. But yeah, when I experience anxiety, I start to notice that like I can't be an active participant in my life. I'm like just Mm. all in my head thinking, thinking, thinking. Like... And I'm thinking of the same thing usually over and over again and, and thinking that it'll help. But it, in fact, it just makes it worse for me. Um, I don't know about y'all.
2: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I appreciate y'all helping me delineate because like I, don't, I didn't have the answer like in this conversation, but I think this is the nuanced thing of how many of us use terms interchangeably. But it's like, are we talking about the same thing? Are we talking about a different thing? I think I'm someone who experiences a lot. I feel stress but I'm not someone who experiences a lot of classic ruminative worry and anxiety. I've, I've felt that at times, but I can definitely feel like, yeah, my heart rate get increased, my body get tight. I know when I've gone through a day almost living in a sympathetic nature, sprinting from this to this, no time to regulate, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I feel stress. But I love, especially at K-10, what you named of like, the times I've had the anxiety is that like preoccupation into worrying about something that takes you out of the present.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could also capture it as like, again, there's so many different words. When I think of the physical symptoms of anxiety, I sometimes think, is this panic disorder? Is this a panic attack? Or is it hyper arousal? Which I think a lot of us have talked about without even saying the term of like, Feeling like your body is like keyed up and edgy, not hypervigilance to the point where like you're checking your surroundings, but you notice you're in that sympathetic state and it's hard to get a grasp on like grounding in the present moment. Like, oh, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You're so keyed up, and we think about that with insomnia treatment when people have anxiety before bed, it's technically hyperarousal. Like you just can't turn your brain off. Mm. It's just really hard.
2: Yeah, it, it makes me start to think of like so we've all had different experiences of anxiety. Some of us more, some of us less. Like what what do you do about anxiety? It's definitely a topic a lot of people are interested in. A lot of people have their personal experiences of, again, some more chronic, some less. What, what do you all do with anxiety?
3: For me, it depends on a lot of factors, like when I'm having anxiety, what the context is, things like that. Um, For me, a lot of times doing like somatic, like deep breathing exercises, moving my body really helps. Since I experience anxiety so physically, um, more of like the somatic exercises uh, help grounding techniques, Um, even like engaging in like certain scents and smells can be really um, calming for me. So having um, like a diffuser with essential oils um, can help. I obviously also cognitively experience anxiety as well and I do a lot of like challenging my anxious thoughts which doesn't always work for everybody but like I'm like okay Jess what is the actual likelihood x is going to happen okay it's very unlikely so it's not helpful to think about it um but a lot of times just getting my body moving doing some deep breathing grounding exercises um really helps calm my body down. And then I find I'm able to challenge my anxious thoughts more easily.
0: I really, you're giving me ideas of how to deal with anxiety now. (laughs) I really like this. I think for me, I start to, it starts with my warning signs. Like I notice my, you know, I have like a lot of brain fog. If I could kind of separate from my ADHD, I I kind of feel like it's hard to concentrate. Um, I start to feel like preoccupied but I don't really know what I'm preoccupied about. And then if I'm able to catch those warning signs, I kind of try to level with myself. It's almost like if you have a friend who needs like, you know, just like a a moment of like, hey, you're good, you know? Um, I look in the mirror or I talk to myself and I'll say like, what do we need right now? Like, what's up? Like I'm talking to a friend um, and I try to figure out maybe the origin of it. And if I can't find that, then I tend to do like the deep breathing. Um, And a little bit of DBT, like actually asking myself like, is thinking about this effective. I try to go that route, like the logical route, because sometimes I feel like I have that feeling of like, okay, I have anxiety. And then I have those feelings of like, oh, powerlessness or a lack of control, or like, I can't control what's going on in my brain, you know? And that kind of feels really upsetting for me. So I try to not go down that rabbit hole and kind of stay in the present. Like, okay, what do we need right now? We might not know where this comes from, but we'll figure it out eventually. You always do. Um, so I do try to do a little bit of grounding, um, and just to your point, CBT doesn't work for everybody. Like the challenging, I noticed for me it maybe works like I want to say seventy percent of the time because a lot of times for me I have to like think about the thought, challenge it, look at evidence, right? But for that chronic, chronic stress, that's not anxiety. You can't really do that for me. Um, it doesn't really work. But yeah, that's basically what I normally do. I'm trying to try new things. Like um, people are talking about like the tip skill. Um, with like the water and the ice and stuff. I did that, uh, with makeup on, uh, not realizing I had a session in five minutes after that. So, uh, (laughs) that was interesting. Yeah. I jumped to session (laughs) and I'm like, I wasn't crying. I did the tip skill and they're like, fuck yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, I didn't tell them that. I was just like, yeah, it was a long day. Tell me about you. You know,
1: um, I really wanted to say that though. Like your girl uses the tip skill. Ignore the mascara running down my face. Ignore
0: everything running down
1: my face.
0: (laughs) So next time I think I'll hold ice cubes or something, do like a little modification. But Mm. yeah. KBI, what about you?
1: I am a floor person. So when my anxiety gets out of control, the world spins Um, for me. And my body feels out of control and my body feels buzzing and my body feels like it's always moving even when I'm sitting still. So I utilize the floor where I will literally just lay my ass flat down on the floor and just sit there and do like five, seven, eight breathing to deactivate um, my nervous system. Um, I've really started the tip skill as one of my favorite. Um, I personally don't like dunking my face in water, so I choose not to do that. I instead have this beauty ice roller that I use, and I use it all over my chest, and I've tried to use it almost every morning to deactivate my nervous system immediately. Um, If I find that I am stuck in, like, you know, a cycle, um, and, like, grounding hasn't worked the ice, I will literally throw myself in an ice shower. Because you can't be anxious when you're freezing your ass off in an ice shower. (laughs) Like I do a lot of stuff that pulls me straight back into the present moment, like Mm -hmm. because um, and it's one of the things like that tips go right. Um, Physical exercise, you know, when I used to exercise, um, I remember I used to go running and you can't think of anything else while you're running. Like I'd focus on my feet. Um, Mm -hmm. I do whatever is going to pull me straight back into my body, into this present moment, whether it's. The five, four, three, two, one method. Um, I heard a new method which is the rainbow method. I think Jill Spooky Therapy talked about it, where you you start I going down her. the rainbow, yes. um, and you name each color. You find something in the room, um, because sometimes that's a little bit easier than sometimes I can't even remember the five, four, three, two, one. I'm like five things that you can see, four, <laughs> and then I, and I I'm like I don't know what it is. I get caught up um, on the taste one. I'm like. What Else am yeah. I tasting? You know, <laughs> like I taste my, my stale Dunkin' Donuts coffee from 8 a.m. Yeah, this like, morning.
0: Like, I like the color idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I just do whatever it takes to get me back. Um, like, I mean, I live in Maine and so it's f- f- cold as balls out right now. And so I'll literally walk outside in bare feet.
2: Mm, yeah.
1: Just not on salt. Yeah. Be aware was, of what's I was on your patio. I was like, oh my gosh. But like, like, I tell, like, my clients, like, you have, a, we just got 12 inches of snow. What? Like, oh go outside God. and shove your hands into an ice, into your snowbank. Like, it shouldn't be painful. Like, it should not, like, if it becomes painful, then stop. Yes. But it should be uncomfortable because it makes mm-hmm. you, like, you cannot focus about, the, on those thoughts and that those racing thoughts when your hands are deep in a snowbank. It's distress
0: tolerance. Like how do I get through this moment?
1: Like just this moment, you know? Mm. And a lot of times when you when you get yourself out of that moment, you create like that stop and suddenly it's like, oh shit. Okay, it's not as maybe it's not as big of a deal as what I need what I thought it was. I there was a video I saw the other day. It was like, have you ever been like so anxious and then you just did something and suddenly you were like what? Like got a snack or walked into a different room? And suddenly you were like, oh, I'm good now. Changing mm. your Just because like sometimes it's <laughs> yeah. like those little changes. And not, obviously that doesn't solve everything, but. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think that's why when I was thinking about this, I was like, one of the biggest things I do when I'm like stuck in that futurizing, worried, cognitive loop is talk about it with someone. Mm. Like Like for me, yeah. that's a lot of the things y'all named are things I do when I'm stressed. And again, I'm not I, – I think it's just it, – they help with both, right? Things yeah. that help us with stress are likely going to help us with anxiety. But like the mindfulness, the, the regulation, the movement. But when I'm getting that cognitive part, it's like it's so hard for me. And you all named some like cognitive tricks that I need to implement. But I'm like when I talk it out into existence with another human being, it's easier for me to hold how – like I don't want to say ridiculous. Sometimes my thoughts have been kind of ridiculous, though. Like I'm focusing on something that has a .00001 percent mm-hmm. chance of hitting, but it's like when it's in your head, it feels real. Oh,
0: it's so but different. like
2: when you yeah. speak it out with someone, like yeah, I could be therapist, but like a friend, my mom, like anybody in my life, it's like I can hear myself say it and be like, y'all, I'm really focusing on something that has like I'm catastrophizing right? Like I'm yeah. really making this into something that's very unlikely to happen. But when again, when it's looping in my head, it's hard to see it and hear it in the way when you talk it out with a friend.
0: Yeah. It's almost like that, Um, what do they call it? An act. It's Is it diffusion where you're talking, Diff- you're not talking about your thoughts, but like you're separating yourself from those thoughts Self and like the thoughts, weight yeah. of those thoughts. Thought diffusion, yeah. right? Or something yeah. like that. And mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's kind of, it alludes to what Justin is talking about, but yeah. I, just to say it's evidence based, you know, um, and, it, and it's helpful, yeah.
1: And I like and, and I like doing that, Justin, because I'll ask like some of my friends and I've asked K ten this like, can you tell me if I'm crazy? And like she'll I'm be like, like yeah, like, like you. Be, that's I'll, an extra I'll
0: level, like. But I'll be real with you, you know. Yeah, like, and like sometimes.
1: Yeah, and sometimes I'll be like, can you just support me? And like that's like to my friends, and that's what I get. And then sometimes I'm like, can you like, can you tell me if I'm being a little a little off my off my channel a little bit? And like. And I want that response because mm. I like the the people that I ask know that I want that. And so there have been times where they have where K10 has been like oh It's a little girl. It's a little like you <laughs> like, you're okay. It's it's okay. I hear you. I validate you. I validate that this is a thing for you. But it's it's okay. Let's let's yeah. let's circle back on it. Um and sometimes, like you said, like talking it out with people, like sometimes I'll even start talking about I'm like, oh. I don't even want to finish this because I I already know. I already got it that I've taken it to level 12 in my head. Yeah.
3: One thing that I was thinking about – Go ahead, Justin. When you you were talking about that, Justin, is I don't do this as much as I used to, but I can think of times that I was really, really anxious in my life and I would journal a lot, but like free journaling Mm. where you like – aren't controlling what your thought just like whatever comes to pen and paper and that was really helpful for me because i would often realize the thing i thought i was being anxious and ridiculous about had some like underlying things Um, going on and that helped me one validate okay like i'm not really anxious about i don't know my dog getting out i'm just making something else i'm making Mm. something up what I'm really anxious about is X, Y, or Z that I wasn't able mm. to wow. recognize until I just like free flowed. And I am a big proponent of like, if you're journaling, write it down. I mean, typing mm. works too, but I, mm. for me at least, like if I'm just, and it's not about how pretty your handwriting is, just writing whatever comes to mind, it's very insightful and also kind of displacing. It's not in your head anymore. It's on paper and either you could be like, ooh. Yeah. Okay, I am kind that's of or like, oh wow, a lot is coming up that I didn't realize. This is why I'm feeling mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm.
1: I love mm-hmm. how you conceptualize that. Love a good brain dump.
3: Exactly. Totally. I wonder
0: if it's, I wonder if it's because people like, because I'm listening to all three of you, and I'm wondering like, I wonder if people just feel less alone too, and if that's a proponent. Like, if if you're able to tell someone mm-hmm. like, yo, I got some crazy shit going on in my head, and I like really need to talk about it to just level. With someone, mm-hmm. I don't know, because um, you're right. I mean, it does help talking to somebody and it even helps. That's why therapy is so useful, I think, is because that other person is so non-judgmental, and they could understand even if they can't, you know, relate, they could maybe hold space and you don't feel so alone. Um, a thought.
2: But I totally relate to, to what you just said, Jess, of like a lot of the things I get fixated on, it's like it doesn't have a lot to do with that thing. Mm -hmm. right? It's something about my own pattern, something related to my trauma, something related to something else. But it's like, how many people and people listening can do that active reflection? How much time do you really take to yourself to reflect, Mm -hmm. to really process? Like, I know I'm not alone as many of us. It's like, a lot of days, I just feel like I'm surviving. Like I am sprinting from here to there, overbooked, overwhelmed, like ton on my plate. And I know not everyone's like that. But like, When I have those minutes to pause, it's like things can become clearer. And I know some people, that's what they use psychotherapy for. Exactly what you were saying, K-10. It's time to talk. It's time to like hold things out of ourselves to really look at it. But it's just easy to get caught up in something like looping again and again in your mind when it never escapes. (laughs) It never escapes those neurons firing. It's like you can't even hold it Mm -hmm. to look at it to be like, what is this really about?
0: Because I think like, I'll be ang- I'll I'll think that I'm anxious about something and it's usually something surface level, like like just is saying, like, oh my dogs, or I'll just think about something random sometimes. And I'm like, I then I get all keyed up and I'm like, oh my God, like what if that happened? Like I just think mm. and think and think and think. Mm. And then if I really, really think back and I pull myself out of it, I'm like, oh, maybe I just don't feel safe in this other area of life right now. Like it's always mm-hmm. something else. It's yeah. usually for me, always something else. But I think the the key to consider too for people is like They're in this constant state of anxiety where they feel like I'm always thinking about the future no matter what. Like then you're living there. Like you're living Mm -hmm. for the future, right? And then it's like I think people don't really trust themselves enough in the present moment because that's where you could take all the action, you know? Um, That's the only place you could take action. You can't imagine. You have to get there, you know? Um, But I think when we stay in our heads and we think about the future, it is hard because then we're just stuck there my gosh. So talking helps.
3: I also think we would be doing a disservice if we didn't, you know, highlight that obviously medications can be extremely Mm. helpful for anxiety. Obviously, Mm -hmm. none of us are prescribers. Um, but you know, a lot of people do take medication for their anxiety, whether it is like an SSRI or a, um, like benzodiazepine that you can take more like PRN as needed. Mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't speak in like medical yeah. <laughs> talk. Um, and then I know some people <laughs> will use like c- CBD or weed to help with anxiety. And, um, you know, I don't know if anybody has thoughts or things on that, but I, I feel like, you know, obviously we're therapists and we're going to talk about what mm-hmm. we do, therapeutic interventions, and there are things outside of our scope that can really help people as well.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, when I have been taking an SSRI for since 2017, I started taking it to kind of preemptively with, you know, postpartum depression and anxiety, which I got. And then I ended up taking, um, it was May of 2020. Um, I had just started a new job and I ended up calling my doctor, um, because I just started a brand new supervisor job right like I started March 1st and everybody went home and everything shut down March 14th. Um, and I remember calling my doctor because I was one of the things I've talked about as I'm, I struggle with skin picking and because I was so anxious, so stressed, all of that, I was picking my feet to the point that I couldn't walk. And I had, and I called my doctor and I said, my anxiety is so bad right now that I need something. I need something else. And so I ended up, they ended up putting me on a specific anxiety medication um to help me. And I'm not taking that anymore because I've worked through a lot of that. And a lot of that was situational for me, you know, with with COVID and all of those life changes. But um I mean, they can be game changer, whether you're taking it for years upon end, whether you're taking um a prn or something even temporary depending on life circumstances um i'm lucky in that my anxiety is manageable with my daily ssri that i don't need anything right now um more than that but at that time like i had to tell myself i needed something more
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um because life was just different
2: Mm
3: yeah
1: yeah it's
0: it's so it's interesting too because when I think of anxiety, just in hearing you describe your experience, KBI, like there's such a it's an umbrella. There's so many like diagnoses under that anxiety umbrella, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes when people think of anxiety, they just think about like, oh, I just don't know how to handle my thoughts, right? It's so much more than that, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it could take many forms, right? Like it could really, really uh, present itself in different ways, like skin picking, or um, you know, people being preoccupied, or it's hard to concentrate, or physical, like gastrointestinal stuff. It could just look so different for every single person.
2: Totally. Yeah. And I know a lot of people self-medicate out there, right? Like mm-hmm. they drink, they drink alcohol, which unfortunately alcohol has been shown to be good for nothing. I think I can say that confidently, at least all the science podcasts I listen to and everything else. It's, and I, I, I'm free to admit I'm a social drinker, mm-hmm. but alcohol is one of those things like it doesn't help with anything. Unfortunately, physically or mental health related. And I could be, if I'm wrong, DM me and let me know the thing that alcohol is beneficial for. But so, but again, people self-medicate. They're trying Mm -hmm. to turn down the volume of that anxiety, which is plaguing them. So it's like, it's not to shame people in any way, Mm -hmm. shape or form, but it's like, there's a lot of behaviors we get pulled into that we Mm -hmm. ask, is this helpful? Does it have utility? Alcohol is one Mm -hmm. that it doesn't, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It might make you feel like your anxiety is going down, but then there's that anxiety rebound effect. Once yeah, it wears yeah. off, you feel it like tenfold.
1: well, and and this is like my my niche because I also have my certified alcohol and drug counselor license and like I actually just did an article um, on anxiety and alcohol use and alcohol actually I now that I'm like put on the spot I can't. it's like GABA. Or something it fixes yes. it's a chemical mm-hmm. that it decreases in your brain and, and actually makes you more anxious mm. when when you're like hung over mm. it's called like anxiety is mm. is is yeah. what they termed it and so um when i work with clients and like i'm so anxious i'm so anxious and i'm like how much are you drinking and they're like i'm drinking every weekend and i always feel like shit and i'm like and eh, maybe we should <laughs> slow down on our drinking, um, and mm-hmm. obviously the different different alcohols have different impacts on that for sure. Um, but yeah, it very much, and then depending on how much you're drinking, what you're doing, you then come wake up that sometimes the next day, and you're remembering everything that you did. Sometimes that gives um, you know impacts the anxiety on that.
0: It's true. It's it's interesting too because when I think of substance use and I don't have the qualifications you do, Kristen, so correct me. um, I think of like the harm reduction approach too. Like Mm -hmm. if people are already drinking or already smoking weed or taking edibles or Mm -hmm. whatever, it's like okay, that's technically avoidance and distraction, right? If we really Mm -hmm. think about Mm -hmm. like the mechanisms. Um, So I always say, hey, try to do something that's going to engage you in the present moment before you drink or before Mm -hmm. you know. Obviously, Mm -hmm. if we didn't drink at all, that's ideal, right? But most people aren't going to stop and you probably shouldn't, right? Um, because alcohol, you could, it, there could be fatal effects if you just stop mm. drinking randomly, if you've been right. a heavy drinker. But um, I think about <clears throat> weed and CBD and how it's kind of, you know, come into the limelight. There's preliminary research out there to support that it helps with mental health. I tend to err on the side of caution because I think it depends how much you're using and the mode of administration, mm-hmm. how much are you using, when are you using it? I think if people are kind of using that as their primary coping skill whenever they have anxiety, you're going to kind of be in that loop anyway because you're avoiding, you know.
1: Well, and that's like any medication. If you're only if you're if if any time that your anxiety peaks and you're only using a PRN, you're not mm. actually coping. You're not actually practicing the coping and learning the anxiety. You're in a way it's masking that. It's it's definitely like the PRN, the weed, the alcohol, it's taking it away for the moment. But it's just going to come back and you don't have the skill that you've pra- that you've practiced to help manage that. Um, and that's one of the things I talk a lot about with my clients, especially individuals who are, you know, in recovery or looking at decreasing their drinking or substance use or things like that. Um, we talk about like, what's your go-to coping skill? I mean, in Maine, weed is legal. It's recreational and it's medical. Um, I could go out to one of the dispensaries now and go buy whatever I want. Um... And because of that, I'm seeing an increase of that. And like you said, using that as a medical thing, which is great in a lot of ways. But if you're not getting curious about your anxiety and its triggers and its peace, it will always be there. And it honestly will just get worse because you're you're not addressing everything that's underneath of it. Um, It's kind of going to just fester and fester and fester and you're just going to have to smoke, drink use more medication and continually because you're not addressing it.
2: I know. And it's, this is one of those things too, where it's like hard to completely, if you consume the research, you look at it, you go to Google Scholar, whatever you use, you know, especially for us as professionals with a licensure on the line, it's like, what what can you stand on? And the evidence mm-hmm. with marijuana is just mixed. It just is. It's, so it, mixed. it's, it's yeah. just so hard. And I've seen anecdotal, you know, with clients where it's like, it appears it kind of works for you. It appears it doesn't, you know, get in the way of your life. But then it's like, I, as therapists, you see people where you literally know this is yeah, pulling them problem. away from the present. It's impacting their work. It's impacting their connections with others. So it's like, and the research, again, the, the one thing we know for sure is like, if marijuana does work, it's for anxiety specifically, we're just talking about anxiety mm-hmm. here. It's at low levels. The high levels, there's been a lot of research to suggest ain't work for anybody. Like mm-hmm. in terms of anxiety. CBD is a whole nother ball game that is so early in the research that it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just look at I was just doing the search before this podcast. Yeah. Even C B D, there's just not enough evidence yet. Mm-hmm. But I, the thing I say about C B D is like, have I come across people where C B D is clinically hurting their life? I have not. Could that person be out there that they're having some really bad side effect to CBD? Possibly. You know, how could I sit here and say that that person doesn't exist? But to me, that's something I do think about with the differences of CBD and THC. I just don't know of many real adverse side effects to something like CBD.
0: Yeah. I I did like a a mini lit review um, on CBD, THC, and insomnia. And anxiety is Mm. part of the insomnia conversation because some people are anxious and they can't fall asleep at night. So when we think about the utility of CBD and THC, depending on so many things, like mm. the strain, the dosage, um, if you're getting it from a medical dispensary, how do you know for sure what's in it? Um, that, like all of these different things and we compare it to other medications, like for example, melatonin, um, it's not FDA approved. You know, it's it's, yeah. you know, technically not a medication for sleep. It's a dietary supplement. We don't know what's in it. We just don't. If you go to a dispensary and you get medical marijuana, you could rest assured that potentially you know what's in it, right? Again, I'm not a cannabis expert. But when I think of the utility of it, I think of how much are you consuming? Are you getting blitzed and then falling asleep and saying you're sleeping eight hours? Or are you um, going to the moon after smoking an entire thing, right? And you're like, oh, I'm not anxious anymore. It's like the KBI saying, it's like, are you getting to the root of it? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the key to consider of like when I'm using substances, medications, whatever, what is the utility? Because a lot of times you could use medications to take the edge off so you can process emotions, right? And mm-hmm. you can go there, yep. which is helpful. But if you're just staying there and you're just um, you're just using to avoid, I just don't see it as helpful.
1: Well, and, and that's where I say like that is there's a difference between I'm using this as a supplement to help me look at the root – and I'm entering into an addiction mm-hmm. in a way. I'm entering into unhealthy like un- unhealthy like maladaptive coping, not unhealthy coping because all coping is coping, but this kind of this this skill that's not actually helping me because again, if you're going and you're getting blitzed out your mind because and yeah, I'm not anxious anymore, but I 100% should not be operating a motor vehicle. Um, again, are you actually addressing, any of the underlying causes. Um, And that's, to me, like, yes, weed and alcohol are on two very different levels as far as substances, but still at the end of the day, if you're using them in the same way, the result is Mm -hmm. still going to be the same. It's no different than if I'm going to spend six hours scrolling TikTok.
2: Mm -hmm. Where I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm
1: using it, I'm not using it as a skill to actually help me. I'm using it as a distraction so that I can numb myself so I don't have to feel it.
3: So you all have been throwing out a lot of research, so do you want to hear some research for the Google Scholar Shorts?
1: Let's do it! yes! Yes! yes. yes. <laughs>
3: I don't even know what just happened there. So, did you all know that mindfulness-based stress reduction is as effective in treating anxiety disorders in adults as lexapro. Ooh.
1: Oh my
3: god. <laughs> so a, a study that came out in January 2023 um, in JAMA Psychiatry looked at um, whether mindfulness-based stress reduction or MBSR was not inferior to the which is lexapro for the treatment of anxiety. And so for listeners, Lexpro and SSRI and it's really a, a first line treatment for anxiety disorders. So um, if you don't know what Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction is, it's an eight week protocol. And what's cool about this is like, you can't train in just doing Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. So you don't actually have to be like a licensed uh, mental health professional but it's weekly, two-and-a-half-hour-long classes, so it is pretty intensive. A day-long retreat with weekend class um, during the fifth or sixth week, and then a 45-minute daily home practice. Um, and in this study, they were started everybody at 10 milligrams of Lexapro um, and increased to 20 if they needed it. Um, like I said, adults average 33 years old, female, 59% white. Mm -hmm. And what they found was, so they did this for eight weeks um, and they found that anxiety was reduced on their measure by 1.35 points in the mindfulness-based stress reduction group and 1.43 points in the Lexapro group. So it was, yeah, non-significant. And what was I thought was even cooler, so they did 12- and 24-week follow-up, and they found no significant differences between the groups at those times, continued to see benefits, and they the participants got to choose. Um, If they wanted to continue the practice, Um, so like at twelve weeks, seventy-eight percent of individuals were still on Lexapro, and forty-nine percent were continued to meditate. Those in the uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, Um, and then at twenty-four weeks, fifty-two percent were still taking Lexapro, and twenty-eight percent of the mindfulness-based stress reduction group were still doing regular mindfulness um, practice. So I thought that was really so cool. Really cool. I, and I picked it kind of because Justin likes mindfulness stuff.
2: <laughs> yo, Yeah. I went to the Atlanta uh, School for Mindfulness there in Atlanta. when I would drive up from Auburn. It was an MBSR school uh, where I was getting my doctorate degree so I could do my research. So I, I love that because what I know is it gives people other treatment options. And one of the cool things about MBSR mm-hmm. is like a lot of the research is looking at you did the eight weeks. Weeks. And a lot of the effects carry forward. Which is something to think about. You know, there's nothing wrong with taking mm-hmm. medication. We want to reduce stigma, mm-hmm. you know, around that as much as possible. But a lot of people find it appealing. Oh, cool. I do this eight week work. And a lot of the effects of doing the eight week course last. And that's, that's neat to be like, because I know a lot of these studies don't look at are people still meditating or not, but the effects mm-hmm. still go ahead. Like I've seen studies years into the future. Pretty cool stuff.
0: That's so cool. It, it reminds me of that. There's a really, really old study from like the 80s about Elazepram and diaphragmatic breathing. Have any of you read that one? Mm-hmm. It's like really old. Um, and I remember in my doctorate program, I based my dissertation loosely off the MBSR protocol um, mm-hmm. when I was creating my own program. And I had to reference a bunch of studies about like how just diaphragmatic breathing MBSR is way more than that. But just how diaphragmatic breathing can reduce anxiety symptoms compared to taking an as needed benzodiazepine, you know, and they noticed that people similar to what Jess is saying, they got better just as much as they did in the other group, you know, the, the, the people who were taking the medication and the sustained effects over, like, I think it was like six months to a year, people were still feeling Mm -hmm. okay. So, I mean, it just goes to show that just even just being mindful and engaging in mindfulness can help, but medication also helps. Right. So, I mean, whatever one you choose.
3: And one thing I like about, um, MBSR, which I'm not trained in, but like I've read manuals and studies on it is that tangible skills. Like I think a lot of people in our society, um, want like a quick fix and they also want something that is tangible. So if you go through this eight-week course, then you have skills that you can carry on. And like the study looked at, like, are you still meditating? You didn't have to. And they mm-hmm. still saw effects if you hadn't. But people continued the practice. And I think that's why things like the tip skills with DBT is so popular because it's something very tangible that people can
1: take away.
2: Totally. And, and that's why I love to
1: do. this study because it shows that when you – like. There's nothing wrong with medication. I think Mm -hmm. medication is a wonderful asset. The problem is, is that in order to learn the skills that help with your anxiety, it requires work and it requires repetitive work and it requires practicing Mm -hmm. when you're calm to, and like at a one, two, and three for it to work when you're in an eight, nine, 10. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, and this is, this is like my little hot take, is that a lot of people struggle to put in that work for a lot of reasons there's Mm. there's a lot of reasons barriers you know privilege all of that but this study shows that when you put in the work and you and you step outside that comfort zone and continuously apply it it does work the problem is is that medication is quicker than that work Mm. And it's, and great, like, we want to feel better. Like, nobody wants to sit in the uncomfortable. We hate sitting in the uncomfortable. We hate sitting in anxiety. We hate sitting in stress. Nobody, like, nobody wakes up and is like, you know what? You know what feels good? Being stressed. Um, but the problem is, is because we, we, everything is so quick. We want a quick fix for everything that we forget. Like, we have to do that work. And totally. I think this study absolutely mm-hmm. shows that that um if you do that, it's going to it's going to be lasting.
2: And I always love to say two things can be true. And I mm-hmm. think this is the mm-hmm. perfect example, and you're laying yes. it out there of like, we love cliches as therapists, and we love saying get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And it's true. Like, there's no mm-hmm. therapist out there who wants you to avoid feeling uncomfortable i'm i'm sorry i hate to speak for every therapist out there but we want you to learn to some degree to tolerate it to use Mm -hmm. other skills out there and again absolutely medication is an important tool we can't say that enough and Mm -hmm. both things can be true at times we also need to learn to feel what we're feeling and not Mm -hmm. always be Mm -hmm. like i should avoid this
1: No, absolutely. Like my favorite is when I have a client and I'll tell them, okay, I want you to use this skill over the next week. And they come in, well, I used it when I was in the middle of a panic attack. And I'm like, it's not going to work because you just used it for the first time during your panic attack.
2: When the fire was the hottest, I tried to use that tool you gave me.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Like you have to practice these things. It's like having a squirt gun. And you've only filled it up a quarter of the way, and you're like, Oh shit, the dumpster's on fire. Let's try oh, I ran out of water.
2: And we all listen, we all do this. i know all of this. I do this shit all
0: the time. I do this shit all the time. Like oh, I was yeah. anxious earlier today, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, just breathe. Just and I'm like, oh my God. Like I haven't practiced this in weeks. <laughs> like
1: oh my yeah. gosh. It's not good. But I really I love that study. Yeah.
3: That study's mm-hmm. great. Thanks, Jess. So I'll link it in the show notes. But should we go to the polls?
1: Let's do it! What do we got on the polls this week? So,
3: we thank you as always for all your responses. So, the first question was Have you been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder? The options were yes, no, but I think I may have one, no, and I don't think I have one, and unsure. So, what do you think is the most popular answer? No, No and I think I have one. incorrect. Yes. Shut up, Jess. What one was it? At
2: 71%. Ooh, we, got a, we got a ample bias. Anxious. Love yeah, oh, we definitely do. And
3: no was the next most popular
2: with, or no, but I think I have one
3: with 19%. So 90% of our group members have been diagnosed with or believe they have anxiety.
2: We're glad you're here.
1: Also, think like
3: we're a mental health podcast. Too, so <laughs> yeah. People are obviously. <laughs> no, it is sampling bias. They're like, like, I know, bias. We definitely, I we definitely yeah.
2: got yeah. yes. We're we're talking to the right people. That's why we're glad you're here. Yes.
3: Um, and no, and I don't think I have almost eight percent. Um, and I'm sure according to Instagram, it was three percent, but that's 101%. So Instagram do some better math. Um <laughs> <Instagram> <laughs> how, should, is like- get, how do you even pick up on that at all? I just did the math in my head and I said that's 101. Anyway, we'll on ma-
1: who can do math in their head? Not me. I
3: feel <laughs> like Justin me. can do math in his head. No, you picked the
2: wrong, you you, you picked the wrong you guys, host. I'm wait, still y'all have the
1: accounting.
0: Wait, y'all have the Apple Watch where it calculates the tip for you? That's the I only really reason why I got it. that watch. They
2: make me
1: No, I just asked ask Siri. Oh, really? Like, hey, you can ask Siri. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey Siri, what's 20% of $24?
2: Are, are you I fucking are Am I things? the only
3: one that does it by hand?
1: No.
2: Yeah. Totally. You yeah. definitely are. <laughs> because in you are inter- you- <laughs> I'm using theory Anyways. from now on.
3: Go ahead, Jess. <laughs> Next week on the polls will be, how do you calculate your tip? Okay. Do you know the difference between clinical anxiety and experiencing anxiety as an emotion? Or do you know there is a difference between clinical anxiety and experiencing anxiety as an emotion? Yes, I do. I'm not sure. Or what? There's a difference? So KBI already covered this in our our episode. So do you think most people did, We're not sure, or had no idea
0: that you not can have anxiety, sure.
3: but not an anxiety disorder? I was thinking disorder. not sure
0: too, but
3: I don't know. KBI, even what do you think? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm scared to say it. Um, yes, <laughs> I do. Was the, the highest response was 69%, oh, and this? I'm not sure was 24%. No way. Oh, there
2: we go. Right. And then
3: what there's a difference is 6%. So this ends adds up to 99. So I don't know what Instagram
1: is. That's do. where – we just take the 1% from the other poll.
2: That's a-
3: <laughs> Just carry
2: it <laughs> over. And Can you carry it over?
1: We yeah. need <laughs> yeah. the remainder. I just from fucking do some long one. division
0: and carry Red that blue. shit over. Like, or whatever
1: <laughs> <was>. <laughs> Someone start – let's start sending emails to Instagram. Your, your, your ability to help with our research really sucks. Thanks.
0: I'm going to email my math teacher from high school and be like, I'm so happy that – you taught me something, you know?
3: I could carry anything over to another poll. This this next oh, question look. did add up to 100, though. I just checked in oh. my brain. Okay. Do you know the different anxiety disorders? So the options were yes, all of them, most of them, some of them, or there's more than one anxiety disorder, question mark?
2: Most of them. Most of That's them. Top. Most
3: of them. You all are correct. Do you have a pr- number? Yes. Fifty-two. Eighty? Two 80. percent. Thirty. Did you
0: say two? Price is yeah, right price rules. Is right like like yeah, you it's, can't. You can't. You're cheating. I mean, you're it's cheating. not cheating. It's
3: Price is right rules.
2: She's been. I'll say she's been playing Price is right rules from the jump.
3: It so, yeah. Thirty percent said most of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh Thirty percent of them. You have to give a real number. It like, did. Two is not a real number? No, it is. It's just like a shitty yeah. number because you know it's gonna be more than that.
1: Like, you know matter. it's gonna be more than two percent. That's how you win. That's how you win cars. Own price right.
2: She's gonna like showcase sisters. showdown, baby. She don't care.
3: I, I feel like we're bickering sisters. I'm gonna let this one go. Go ahead. Just <laughs> um twenty three percent said yes, all of them, and nine percent um said there's more than one anxiety disorder. So I'm gonna throw a loop wow. for you all. Do you all know all the anxiety disorders? Could you all list them?
1: I could list. Off a the top of my head right you, now. Okay. No.
3: Okay, I cheated before because I checked my DSM. But <laughs> do you know how many there okay. are? If you add, well, if you include, if you include unspecified and other specified, you said twelve. Just now. You, you're including those. With my guess. Yeah, if you include those, <laughs> K ten
2: Wait. is
0: like no, because there's like seventy sleep disorders. So I'm like, are there more sleep issues or anxiety issues in the world? That's what I'm trying to figure there's out. There's more
3: sleep. If you were just going off the DSM, I will tell you there's more sleep. I'm going to say like 20. No, there's 11. So Justin
2: was really close.
1: I was I was going to oh. say se- – I literally was about to be like seven.
2: If you, you said one, yeah, we're done with <laughs> you. <laughs> we're done.
1: That's what I'm so saying. Okay, wait.
3: There's generalized, generalized anxiety, anxiety disorder, panic Sol- disorder. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jessica. Social anxiety disorder, specific phobia, agoraphobia, yeah. separation anxiety, selective mutism, um, medication or substance induced
2: anxiety mm. disorder, mm-hmm. yeah. anxiety mm-hmm.
3: disorder related to medical condition, and then other specified and unspecified.
1: See, that's those. Uh, those two are where I get like, like I wouldn't have been able to name them. Like I know that they exist, but like my brain doesn't process them as like a disorder in a way. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even wow, though they're after, they mutually mutually are. selective mutism.
0: It's just not something that I've ever mm-hmm. experienced. Like I've never worked with a client.
3: With so that, I so will for some say, it just was not in my. Well, going off of your twenty, because OCD used to be in the anxiety disorders, mm-hmm. and now it's oh, not. So you have oh, all the OCD really? and related disorders yep. no longer in the oh. same oh. section.
2: Own thing. And like PTSD. Okay, yeah, because I was
0: because I was waiting for you to say OCD, and I'm like,
3: is she gonna get there? But okay, that makes it's a lot. It's not consider. So. Yeah. Anyways, Dang. here's your psychoeducation for the day, <laughs> if nothing else from this podcast. Okay, I love. Lyric. Um, next. Poll, poll question: Have you found skills to cope with your anxiety? Um, options were: Yes, a ton. Yes, a few. But I would like more. Not really. Or I don't struggle with anxiety.
2: Yes, a few.
1: Oh, I don't struggle with
2: anxiety. That's I a don't lot, struggle Katie. with anxiety. Lowest. You one. whispered that, KBI. We really believe <laughs> okay. you. The way you whispered that. So,
1: as I cry in the shower.
3: So. Two things can be true. Justin and K-10 are both right because you chose opposites. So, yes, I don't struggle with anxiety was the lowest. And, yes, a few, but I would like more was the highest at 67%. Um, and I don't struggle with anxiety was only 2%. Fuck. Wow. And then – uh, These polls surprise that, me every time. Um,
2: mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. They're good insight. No,
3: they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know the therapy treatments for anxiety – um, options were yes, a bunch of them. Yes, some of them. No, I have no idea.
2: Some I'm going them. with a bunch of. Guys. I don't know
3: why. Go Did some. you say some of K10? Yeah. K10 is correct. Fifty nine percent said they know some of them. Twenty six said a bunch, and fourteen have no idea. Fourteen mm. no idea. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Thank you all wow. for participating. Yay.
2: Let's keep but the should participation we go to anticipation going I... did oh did you have a better thing? oh i just was, gonna, to make funny... I was just <laughs> gonna make
1: a funny i was just gonna make a funny i was just gonna make a funny full question of how much of jess's personality do you think is made up of anxiousness
0: <laughs> we should do that's both funny. of you because you're you've ne- kbi you have never ever been relaxed like ever in your life so i wonder if that's Anxiety. So we should put you guys up against each other no, and see it's who wins. Well, it's
2: I anxiety saw, and
1: trauma. Oh, oh it's I trauma. saw
2: KBI lean back one time and she was completely exhausted. I've never <laughs> seen Jess lean back. Never.
0: I've never, oh my God, I've never God, seen Jess
2: <laughs> in a reclined <laughs> lean back position. Well, I have I, I stand I have, up. I stand up for every podcast, I don't, even, I don't know where I'm <laughs> I don't yeah I
1: don't even <laughs> Know if Jess is relaxed when she's sleeping? That's a whole. I don't know. You shared unpack. a bed with me in Maine. She, Was I relaxed? I know, but <laughs> your nightmares are ang- are anxiety provoking. Jess, oh God,
2: Jess, this still, isn't a gang up on you. I'm sorry. To each other as uh, oh, yeah. mental. Health. Oh,
1: I don't care.
0: just get, get, get your it. shit together. It's no,
1: I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. say 93 no, percent of Jess's anxiety. Jess's personality is no give her, give her I'm, I'm i did no i gave her seven percent
2: seven percent
1: over a lifetime that's 8%, like 8%. too much knowledge in it's, it's much like intellect. less than one percent per year like what well, they say with the more <laughs> intellect you have the more anxious you are
2: mm-hmm. she does have a high IQ that might correlate. Mm-hmm. all right this podcast <laughs> is really just all about these group members I don't know why this document still says listener questions. Cause it's group member questions. We're so glad. Because I haven't here. updated it, Justin. <laughs> Heather from Pennsylvania, dropping Ooh-hoo. a question. A lot of people had here. A lot of people mm. were asking this. Why is depression always coupled with anxiety? Are they experienced together? Can you just have one? Hopefully, someone on this. I mean, you could
3: definitely just have one.
1: Um,
3: You can have depression without anxiety or an anxiety disorder without depression. We in the mental health, I think, and this is me just going off the cuff here. So I would love to hear y'all's thoughts. How we diagnose mental health conditions per the DSM is based off a list of criteria. There's not like a certain blood test that we do or now they're getting into like brain scans and neuroscience and looking at at those things. But like, it's not like a lot of medical diagnosis where there's a certain mm. like physiological test that we do. So we're going off a lot of symptoms and we know from the research that certain disorders tend to be highly comorbid with one another. So when you're making a diagnosis off a list of symptoms, it is likely that symptoms of different disorders are going to overlap. Um, but yes, you can absolutely have depression without anxiety, or anxiety without depression, or depression at one point and anxiety later, um, or experience both at the same time.
2: Agree. Totally. What's the comorbidity?
0: <laughs> oh, the I don't rate? know that. It's in a DSM. Hold oh. Do you know that off your
2: comorbidity off of your estimates are near sixty percent.
1: Wow! No way.
2: I looked it up before the podcast. Uh, meaning, meaning <laughs> Justin prepped.
0: Well, asking I, questions I, I that we definitely that. don't know the answers to. Love I how that was rep- set up.
2: It could be higher though. These comorbidity estimates, they give well, you yeah, a yeah. A lot of people will have both symptoms of anxiety and mm-hmm. depression.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I mean, that, and you see that a lot just thinking clinically in the field, like, I often see people with anxiety and depression, depression symptoms, mm-hmm. but to mm-hmm. just this point, how often am I going through the list of criteria and being like, do they meet full criteria here for GAD? It's like, how often do I do that? Not, not very often, yeah. but can you get to the core pretty quickly when you do your biopsychosocial of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, they got depression here that seems like it's making a clinical impact. It's impacting their sleep. It's impacting the way they think of themselves, the world, their others. And they got this anxiety thing over here that impacts, you know, some of the social and the way they engage and where their mindset is. Anyways, I think it's something you see often in clinical pictures. Mm -hmm. Grace from Oregon. Oregon. Which one is it?
0: My mom says Oregon, and I'm like, Donna, come on. like <laughs> Oregon. <what? It's> Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. 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 It's Oregon. But think, think about how English just doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't it be it like o- Oregon? Wouldn't it be O
3: R E G I N if it was Oregon? Yeah.
2: Or English? Well, okay.
3: But I'm going to argue because my last name is pronounced Rabin, but it's B O N. Like Oregon.
2: Oregon. Rabin. I swear I want to say the Oregon Trail, but it's Oregon Trail. That was
1: oh, such a good wait. game. Wait. I know. Yeah, the Oregon. Oh my no, God. no it, was it was the Oregon, Oregon
0: Trail. That it was, was the Oregon, Oregon. Trail. That it was was Oregon
2: Trail. This is like our that data baby? and data conversation. I know. See, wait. I, I, I love God how I it. say like I'm not a big semantic guy. And why do I always bring it up then? What's wrong with me? <laughs> because, because you truly like, are. But you're
0: Because you're I from Ohio. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, yes, my Grace. Mom, my mom was Grace. right.
2: Your mom might be. I don't know. I don't know. Grace, we're sorry. We love Oregon, Oregon, Portland, the great city or town. Can you explain <laughs> the similarities and differences between anxiety and excitement? I thought this was such a great question, Grace. And also, how one can trigger the other anxiety and excitement.
1: Great question. Well, I mean, a lot of times, it's excitement comes from either something happening in the present or coming from the future. It's the same Mm -hmm. with anxiety. Like anxiety is some, like not that it can't be focused in the past, but a lot of times it's focused in what's happening right now or the future. And so I think that, um, you know, when it reaches that level of, you know, it, it can pass excitement into that worry of what is going to happen. Mm. Right. Um, I, I'm thinking of like clients that I have, they're going off to college. There is excitement about going off to college, but that amount of unknown and being on their own, and then when you start thinking about it as a grand scheme, yeah, it starts becoming it starts becoming anxiety filled mm. because I don't know what to expect. Mm. I don't, I'm so excited for this. Like I'm ready for this change. I'm ready for this life thing, but I don't know what to expect because I'm going to be on my own. I'm going to be in a new state. Um, I'm going to be leaving high school, all of that. And so I think that that's where, again, they can be definitely, they don't have to be either or it's both. And,
2: mm-hmm.
0: It's so wild. I think like anxiety, excitement and fear all like feel the same physically in some sense. Like there's some differences, some is some are fleeting. I just think about a roller coaster. If you're on mm-hmm. just say you're not scared of heights or whatever and you get on a roller coaster and you you're excited about these things and you have that like pit in your stomach and you're sweating and your heart rate is increasing and you're just kind of feeling like, "Oh my gosh, like what is going to happen?" You know, like you're describing KBI. I think the physical parts of excitement and anxiety could be similar, not all the time, but I think the cognitive thought process, mental part is different. I think you hit the nail on the head of like, there's this rumination, not rumination, there's this like worry about what's going to happen, you know, in the Mm. future and, and you can't stop that.
2: I think sometimes, and this is based off the research I really like about stress, is that what you tell yourself about feeling stress symptoms has an impact on how you tolerate it. And that's really cool because it gets into expectancy effects of like, you know, you're about to give a speech in front of a class. And again, I don't really want to bring up the debate of stress and anxiety again, but you're about to give a speech before your class. To me, your body is feeling stress. It's getting you ready. You could be feeling anxiety too. But if you tell yourself, this is my body energizing me to engage with these others, People perform much better than people who Mm -hmm. tell themselves, this isn't right. This isn't bad. I'm going to look like a fool. Like I'm not going to be able to talk. My mind's going to go blank. If you're like, no, Mm -hmm. these symptoms I'm feeling, my heart is racing because I need to feel a bit of energy right now. This is an important event. They've done this study. People perform better when you reframe a lot of your symptoms before a performative thing. So for me, a lot of times I'll have my clients, can we name it as excitement? what you're feeling right now. And of mm-hmm. course, like, if it doesn't quite match, like, it could be invalidation. So it's like, you got to make sure the situation's there. But I think sometimes mm-hmm. naming it as like, I'm really excited can help us move forward and do certain performative tasks. Now, again, if someone's getting lost in the repetitive, like, what I consider anxiety, like the cognitive piece, I don't know that that tactic will work. But yeah, I think these things overlap a lot.
3: hmm wow. absolutely.
0: They do. And I'm even thinking too of like, I like how you brought up expectancy effects because I think that kind of ties into two things that I'm thinking of. The first is just the premise premise of CBT, right? Like Mm. thoughts affect our behaviors, behaviors affect our emotions and all vice versa, right? So if we're feeling this anxiety and we're thinking, man, I'm really going to fuck this up, Mm. like what? experience like what emotion is going to come from that you're going to be terrified you cool. know um but if but if you have a frame of reference like justin's saying it might you might have a different framework mm. to like lead into that um and then if y'all h- heard of like the canon bard theory i'm pulling from the a triple p um canon bard theory yep. and the james lang theory <laughs> yeah a lot of letters. i figured the- jess would know
3: <laughs> yeah go ahead no i was gonna say the last time i literally heard those terms was when i took the triple treat- e- p-, p so yeah. you continue cuz it's out of my memory because that's been too long yeah the the <laughs> Canon bard theory
0: is like when you experience an emotion and it's co- accompanied by a physiological arousal so like you're experiencing yeah. anxiety or like worry or you're thinking and you're in your head and it's accompanied by this physiological arousal meaning like i'm having physical symptoms right and you you're like oh i'm having this anxiety because of these physical symptoms and james lang is like the emotion is the result of the arousal so oh i'm having mm-hmm. these sorry i'm having these physical symptoms and therefore i'm anxious the first one is oh i'm anxious therefore i'm going to sweat and all I'm this having. stuff so i think i think i'm getting that right yep. i'll have to double check but yeah it's i think the theory helps too but it's so weird how you could conceptualize this from 95 different angles. Yeah. Literally. Just anxiety.
2: Mm. hmm Yeah, especially – Well,
3: and ju- – I was going to just say, Justin, when you were talking and you were saying like reframe as excitement, like I realize, and maybe this is just because I like work with kids a lot and I try to reflect their language, but like if they're looking forward to something but they're like, I feel nervous or anxious, I'm like, is it a worried anxious or is it an excited anxious is how I kind of – It sounds kind of like that's what you're reframing. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I guess it is excitement. Because it can feel the same, like we've already highlighted. But I don't think I realized I did that until you just said, like, can we reframe it to excitement? I was like, oh, no. When I work with my kids, I'm like, yeah. Is it like – or a happy anxious or like adding a positive emotion to it. It's like like Christmas, I think, as a classic example. Like, I'm really, Mm. you know, anxious about, you know – going to grandma's for Christmas because I get X, Y, or Z. And I was like, is it a happy I don't know. It was just a thought. You're making me think a lot on this episode, Justin. Me too. Probably about all the wrong
2: things, but listen, what are you going to do? Robin is what we're going to move towards. (laughs) Rude. You
1: skipped (laughs) over my question. You're so fucking rude. Wait, what? (laughs) God, I asked a wonderful question and Justin is just skipping over my valid question. I'll read it.
0: Why is Justin such a last minute prepper in a podcast full of anxious people?
2: <laughs> yeah, I did this prep an hour before and then I went live on TikTok because I felt like I'm ready to go. Let me let priorities. me go live right up until we record. Robin but from Justin, Iowa. What?
3: I was going to say, how many times have you prepped an hour before our podcast?
2: Uh, <laughs> we're on episode 15. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Never.
1: So episode 15. (laughs) This is a great first step.
2: One out of 15 is better than none out of 15, you compassionate therapist. Look Uh, at progress here. Wow. Baby steps. Baby steps. It sounds very convincing when you say it like that. Robin, we finally got to your question from Iowa. How do I prevent myself from being hijacked, feeling anxious, by someone else's inability to regulate their emotions?
1: Oh God, this is such a good
2: one. Oh, there are so many good questions y'all, so many. Love that one, Robin.
1: I'm the queen of, I don't own what you're feeling. Mm. Mm. That is not mine to carry. Like I will help and I might sit in it with you for a moment but that is not my backpack to carry. Like mm-hmm. it is when it, in, in a way, it is when I'm in session with my client. Mm-hmm. But again, at the end of that, I give that backpack back. But like with people in my personal life, like if, if I'm like, that's not mine to carry, like I'll sit in there with you, I'll help you process it. But the minute I'm like starting to feel like it's being targeted towards me or I'm taking more of it on, I have to check myself and be like, whoa, mm-hmm. I got, I got to step back.
0: I had to learn too that just because someone is voicing that they're uncomfortable or they're having an emotional experience or their emotions feel really big, it doesn't mean that I have a responsibility to fix it. Like, I just don't, unless I'm in a therapist, right? Like unless I'm with a client, but if it's a personal friend, family member, um, Kristen's heard me do this all the time. Like, Hey, I don't have the mental space. Like I just, I love you and okay. I cannot be hundred percent present or Somebody's going through something and I start to feel like, oh gosh, I'm feeling what they're feeling, which is that empathy? Is Mm. it lack of boundaries? What is it? I don't know. Um, For me, it's not super effective. So I try Mm -hmm. to tell myself, Kristen, you don't have a responsibility to fix this, to feel this, to whatever. Holding space is helpful, you know, depending on what your friend wants, but it's really hard. I just
3: want to say it's a really hard skill, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like I say this on pretty much every episode, but like asking yourself, what about someone's dysregulation is causing you to feel anxious? Is it, Mm -hmm. you know, discomfort? Is it you're overstimulated, you know, whether it's like noise wise. And I'm thinking I have a two-year-old and she's in the stage of just like throwing herself on the floor for no reason. She <laughs> has her moment. She's for pissed. like 3 minutes like and then she'll get up. And you know, as a first-time mom, initially I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't. Like it's causing me anxiety. It's making me upset." It's because I wanted to fix it, but like K10 just said like it's not something you have to fix. And once I realized like it's not my job to fix, me getting dysregulated isn't helping the situation. What can I do to stay calm in this moment? deep breathing, walking away, assuming my child is safe and in eyesight in my example. But like, what can you do to calm yourself down? Or if you know, okay, this is a dysregulated person, I need to Mm. in advance, Mm. like distance myself or yeah, cope ahead. Or is it like I get overstimulated when people are dysregulated? So what helps you become less stimulated? Like identifying what about the inability to regulate your emotions overwhelms you. Mm-hmm. Their emotions overwhelms you.
2: Totally. I'm
0: learning. I'm literally learning so
3: much this episode.
0: <laughs> like it's so good.
2: <laughs> I always y- learn from y'all. Like I seriously, I, I always look forward to these recordings because we all have different experiences, mm. different expertise, different different angles at where you come at this. Mary from our Kansas. I know that's how you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. My neighbor. Hello. <laughs> Arkansas, otherwise known as Arkansas, I've realized when I can really be present and not focused in on my body or what my body is feeling, that really helps my anxiety. How can I try and dial in to that better? I thought this was an interesting question. I had a a quick take on that. What we find as grounding varies from person to person. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: So it sounds like for you there's something tied with your body which Lord knows you ain't alone
1: mm-hmm. that
2: something mm-hmm. tied with your body triggers anxiety oh my yeah. lord is that common or what like that's mm-hmm. a common thing where people have a tough time because of society because of the family you came from because of culture because of all these mm-hmm. things that the body is something that comes with a lot of judgment and anxiety yeah. but I guess I have a twofold question. The one hand is like, you could go at it. What is it about the body that triggers the anxiety narrative? There's that therapeutic bend. But there's also the other therapeutic bend of what are you dialing in on then that helps? Because what I would say is with mindfulness practices... Sometimes people will get lost in another activity that they find really grounding. Like when I'm painting, all I'm in is like the paint, the flow, the brush. When I'm out in nature, I'm just in the tree. You know what I mean? I'm like in the environment. I'm in the present. Learning Mm -hmm. what pulls you in the present that gets you dialed in and out of your anxiety, whatever that is, beautiful. Regulation, right? But yeah, I had that other thought of like, what is it about this body piece too? I don't know what y'all said about
1: I think that there's a lot of times trauma um, Mm. associated if you Mm. have, you know, any abuse history or things like that. Also, if there's any body dysmorphia or anything like that, like, like, again, um, sitting in your physical body for some people can be highly uncomfortable. Um, and if, again, if you're not used to it as well, like, again, highly uncomfortable, um. Trans youth and trans adults whose bodies Mm, may not Mm -hmm. biologically match who they are. And sitting in that is not comfortable in any capacity, Um, nor do they want to sit in that. Um, And so having to look at that and see, like, how does that impact and make your anxiety even worse?
0: Because feeling, I mean when therapists say, oh, feel your feelings, that could feel so overwhelming for people, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. super overwhelming. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like just the discomfort. It's it's not necessarily unsafe. I'm just thinking out loud here, giving an example of like, if my client's coming to me and saying like, I have this anxiety, I need to work through it. Right. And it feels like we're in a safe environment. Things feel safe. You know, they, they feel okay about it. Um, feeling that could be incredibly uncomfortable, like Justin's saying. And then Kristen said, like, you know, it could be Trauma. It could be. I think about people with um, eating disorders or body shape, weight concerns. It is incredibly uncomfortable to sit with a physical feeling, knowing that in the past your body hasn't actually like worked with you in certain senses. You know, so it, it could feel like really uncomfortable. So, for anybody listening here, you know any anybody who has anxiety, giving yourself some credit because it could feel really, really uncomfortable yeah. just to experience anxiety and feel the feelings in your body at least.
2: Absolutely. Totally. Love these questions. Very thoughtful. Very, very great. Melissa from Switzerland. Did I say that right? Switzerland. Swe- Switzerland. I, <laughs>
1: I can't
2: All right, you, No one else wants to try. How is treatment different for someone who is struggling with just GAD versus someone who has a trauma history and CPTSD? Treatment hasn't been helpful so far, and I'm wondering if the reason could be that my trauma hasn't been recognized or kept in mind. Mm, That's a great Mm -hmm. reflection. Thank you so much for the podcast. It's a great resource, and also restoring my trust in therapy again. Melissa, love, love, love. love that. Thank you for that, Sweet. That's why we do
3: what we
1: do.
3: I would say, Melissa, you're probably- hitting the nail on the head, if Mm. there's trauma that you have not processed or worked through, um, and I don't know what type of therapy you have, but I know like for generalized anxiety disorder, a lot of therapists would do things like CBT. And we know Mm -hmm. that CBT is not, people will argue TF-CBT, and I know we've talked about this on this podcast, but CBT is not the best intervention for trauma. So... Mm -hmm. Are you doing that? Have you, um, like, what are the interventions? Are they more cognitive in nature? Don't even acknowledge or address your trauma. If the trauma is impacting your anxiety, for example, mm-hmm. and your anxiety is stemming from your traumatic experiences, kind of like KB I was talking about earlier, you have to get to the root of that. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, if you are – with a therapist currently or are seeking a therapist, try to find one that is trauma-informed or there are aspects of your trauma that you feel like you want to work on and start there and then see if your anxiety actually lessens by doing the trauma work versus targeting the anxiety without the trauma work, if that made sense.
0: Yeah. I
3: love where you're going with that
0: because I think it's a matter of prioritizing symptoms, like what feels the most pressing for the client at the time. And for most people with CPTSD and anxiety, they're like, this trauma stuff is hard, you know? Um, so sometimes we focus on that first, but for someone who is going through trauma treatment versus somebody who's going through treatment for anxiety, like Jess is saying, the treatments look completely different in my opinion, Mm. just how I treat them. So different, you know, um, with anxiety, there is some overlap of like, that irritability, that hyperarousal, right? Like some people could feel hypervigilance and feel that same way with anxiety, only it it does present differently, you know? So I think differential diagnosis is important. Um, And then figuring out what you want to work on first, you know, because some people might not want to work on trauma. Or if you have separate diagnoses, you know, um, I mean, with GAD, it's it's just so different um, compared to PTSD
2: treatment. No doubt. No doubt. Time to put energy towards that trauma, though. You uh, you have great insight, Melissa. Des from Washington State, the Pacific Northwest. What are some ways to manage or overcome negative circular thoughts slash self-talk that result from years of untreated anxiety?
3: I mean, I know I brought up CBT earlier, but I think initially, you know, a lot of – and CBT doesn't work for everybody, but learning how to challenge those thoughts, find the evidence for evidence against those thoughts, Mm -hmm. identify like the likelihood the thoughts will happen um, or not uh, can be helpful. Thought stopping is another um, technique that some people use i also a lot of times if somebody's really really anxious like i said like we'll do somatic stuff but like distraction techniques at first like Mm -hmm. adaptive distraction so like go for a walk Mm -hmm. in nature paint journal do things like that to kind of calm your mind down so then maybe you are able to better um challenge them that's just my gut feeling this is really a really good question des
2: yeah, and I, you know, a technique I often use is like trying to cultivate a new voice, and that can mm-hmm. take time. What I love is that you seem to at least have insight into this, right? You're naming it, so I think a lot of power comes from naming it in the moment. It's like, yeah. ah, shit, there's my negative self-talk again. Because if you can't catch it in a moment, it, it just runs your hours, yeah. days, weeks of your life. But Over time, yeah, we want to cultivate a different voice, even if that voice is just a realistic one, one that Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be super positive or super encouraging, although that's nice too. Sometimes it's just one of like, what would a realistic friend say here Mm. or a more neutral friend? Sometimes people move from sort of this negative self-talk into a more neutral friend as like an easier, like, let's get a different voice in here as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: I love neutral self-talk.
2: Totally. People always think, oh, I just got to be so positive, sunshine and rainbows. And it's like, no. Like, as therapists, it's like, you take the next realistic step forward, Mm -mm. which isn't like, I'm the best. (sighs) I wish I felt I was the best. (laughs) yourself. (laughs) Like, I know I'm the best. (laughs) Brittany from New York. Hi, all. Let's go. Hi oh, hi oh As therapists, how do you manage your anxiety if you feel yourself starting to get anxious while with a client? Oh, another good question.
1: Hmm. Compartmentalize the shit out of that.
2: <laughs> what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Uh I shut it down and I just I literally like I've gotten really good at shutting down and revisiting later. If it mm-hmm. if it is too powerful for whatever reason, which rarely happens, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, things that I've, I can do is like regulate my breathing and mm-hmm. people don't realize that you're doing it. Um, because I have practiced regulating my breathing when I'm at a zero so that it works when I'm at an eight or a nine, um, you know, shameless plug. I know Jess has one. I love my conquer ring. It's my beautiful say fidget that. ring am I on right now? that doesn't, that doesn't look like a fidget and I can kind of sit there and it's quiet. Mm. And it helps me put energy somewhere. Um, but most of the time, I just compartmentalize the shit out of it and revisit it after um, after the client leaves. It's like a skill that therapists develop.
2: Totally. Mm.
3: S- similar. I mean, I know we were all saying, like, I'm super anxious, but I have my conquering ring that I wear, and I'll fidget with that. I like to put my feet, like, grounded on the ground and like really focus on how that feels but honestly like it's a rare occasion that I'm feeling like super super anxious in session with someone and if I do it's usually related to something going on in session where it's more like I'm feeling anxious for them or like I had an incident today in the hospital with a patient that made me feel really anxious. And I was just transparent about it. I'm like this situation that happens like is making me feel worried, anxious, whatever um, I use like for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm transparent about it and I don't obviously let it overtake the session, but if there's like a shift in tone or something, I do want to be transparent. Like, you know, you talking about this is making me feel anxious. I'm wondering how you're feeling right now or when you experienced um, mm-hmm. that. But for the most part, yeah, therapists we we gain a skill over time. I don't think we're explicitly taught it in grad school <laughs> to just like yeah. when we walk in the therapy room, our stuff is left at the door.
0: Yeah. Jess, I resonate with a lot of what you said. Um, and I guess for me, like, yes, I do feel it for clients sometimes. And if I'm feeling like that intense anxiety, like I can't get out of my head, it that's really, really rare right before I see a client or when I'm with a client. And for me, it's usually about something else. Like if I have unresolved something going on. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, I usually will cancel. Um, I, I rarely ever cancel. But if it's that bad, I will because I can't be present. Um or I could compartmentalize and it works, and I notice it right before session, and it's mm-hmm. easy for me to kind of like put it in a box and like leave it for a little bit. Um, but if it's with the client, yeah, I I, I usually will disclose the same thing, like, yeah. oh wow, this makes me anxious for you or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely, I love that y'all normalized therapists feeling things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we feel a lot. How do you How do you not? You're going to feel a lot when you're oh, yeah. talking about traumas, stressful things. You're in the middle of someone's narrative. Like, you're going to feel things. I feel like I feel too much sometimes.
0: Well, like, anything else sometimes. feel that way?
2: Sometimes. It's just yeah. – Yeah.
0: I'm always yeah. like, I'm feeling this shit so – not with the client, just in general. I'm like, I'm alive. I feel this – like, I just, like, literally think so much about things. And I'm like, does everybody else feel what I feel? And then like I'm me, I'm like, think,
1: ugh, feelings. I don't want I them anymore. I, I them try to more. talk to Kristen about
0: my feelings, and she's like, ew. But you're so <laughs> compassionate, but you're also like, ew. I'm like, I
2: love she, that.
1: She'll be like, Kristen, I'm so thankful for our friendship, and blah, blah. I'm like, ew. Why, yeah, why, she, why are you? Ew.
2: Give her all the ewes. She needs more of those. God. Feel more uncomfortable. Morgan from Washington State. Besties with Dez. We don't know that. Mm. But. <laughs>
1: I'm going to be in Washington on Thursday.
2: KBI, Dez, and Morgan all going to hang out with. Morgan with the great question here. Physical symptoms of anxiety are big for me. Nausea, painful muscle tension. Any thoughts on how I could go about alleviating these symptoms? I'm trying to recognize early signs and what to do when I'm in it.
0: Mm. Oh, my God. There's so much that I could say.
2: We'll um. say it all. Say it all.
0: I'm just thinking, uh, the distress tolerance manual from DBT. (laughs) Everything in there. God, I love the tip skill, the tip skill, the stop skill. I'm thinking of Mm -hmm. like acknowledging: is this helpful? Is this effective? Right? And then Mm -hmm. if it's physical, I mean, your body's trying to tell you something. Your body is literally communicating with you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so I always think of it that way: like your body is trying to tell you, like, yo, we're uncomfortable, or something's happening. Um, so if you can take space and do some deep breathing and ground yourself, and do all those things. You might not actually be able to fix the anxiety in the moment, or you might be able to. You might have a viable solution, mm. and if you have a viable solution, you take it. And if not, you might have to just try to get through the moment. And that's what distress tolerance is all about. How do I just manage this for a little bit just to get through it? Um, yeah, that's mm-hmm.
3: my catch-all. Well, and I-, I was thinking about the like nausea as somebody that experiences. GI symptoms as well, like you can't – I mean, yes, you could take nausea medication and things like that, but the fact that you recognize it's from anxiety, like one thing I do, I'm like, okay, I know I'm having these symptoms because I'm anxious rather than Mm. becoming more anxious about why am I nauseous? Oh my gosh, am I getting sick? What's going on? And if you can kind of label it like I am nauseous because of my anxiety, um, if there are things that that can help to reduce your nausea or like muscle tension, if like massage or mm-hmm. like certain – I know that they make like muscle rubs, things like that. Um, progressive muscle relaxation can help. But also just recognizing I think like these are my physical symptoms, preparing ahead. Like I know I'm going to experience these things because what I find, especially working in a hospital, I talk about this a lot. Like if we have physical symptoms and then, then we become more in – alert or anxious about our physical symptoms that's going to increase them so even just like recognizing them and then doing that distress tolerance like k10 was saying of you know acknowledging that they're there and then kind of moving forward with whatever you have to do um, they're still going to be there but they might not be as much on the forefront of Mm -hmm. your mind
1: i i know for me that my body always alerts me first before Mm -hmm. my brain Mm -hmm. like um, right? The body keeps a score, and the body always wins. like my if I am you know, having a stomach ache, and I'm like, I've eaten, I haven't eaten anything weird. like i you it's like my sign, check in with yourself. If I'm you know, using the bathroom more, I get anxious peas. And so I'm like, if I'm peeing more than absolutely normal. I know, like, ooh, I should probably check in with myself. Why the heck? What the heck is going on? Stomach aches. I mean, even with kids, like, when I have kids who come in and they're like, yeah, they just have. St- My kid keeps having a stomach ache all the time before they go to school. Like, don't know what's going on. We've we've got it checked out. No GI. I'm like, cause they're probably fucking anxious about school. Um, let's look into that. And usually mm-hmm. it is like, that's how I can tell. Like, when I start fidgeting more one I'm a fidgeter anyway but if I catch myself picking fidgeting doing body repetitive behaviors I'm like ooh let's do let's do an inventory for a minute and check out where we're at <laughs> and like like let's let's do a check and usually I can say oh yeah I'm like at a 3 right now like let's do some breathing bring us back down
2: love that love that final question here olivia d out of dc what's one thing you wish everyone knew about anxiety. Mm. Lightning round, go.
3: Anxiety is a natural human emotion, and no matter what influencers <laughs> say on social media, you can't get rid of it in three steps. God damn
0: it. Wow. I was literally <laughs> going to
1: say something like that, Jess. Bye. Wow. I don't have an answer now. Anxiety is a spectrum.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, another good one. Another banger. Shit. Um it could be helpful. It could be helpful. It could also Mm -hmm. be like really, really excruciating and painful. Um, and Mm -hmm. there's obviously resources to help and anybody that you look up to has probably experienced anxiety. So if Mm -hmm. you're feeling alone or feeling like, oh gosh, am I the only one? No,
3: no.
2: Mm. I think it's the thing I would say is related to everything we've said of like, you can have a new record spinning in your mind, but it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of practice, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of labeling and noticing. Because like mm-hmm. anyone else, when you're not aware of the narrative in the mind, it controls the whole ship. So this is where I get real into mindfulness practices of like, you can begin to control the ship. And be like, no, I'm going to focus more on the present. Doesn't mean that old record's not always going to play. That anxiety, I, I think with a lot of things we struggle with, like they they pop their head back up. But we can put a new record on.
1: Mm. Those were good. I like those.
2: I like the record.
1: Mm.
0: I'm gonna use that. I'm jacking that. I'm gonna say I created it myself. So as you mm. should. I'm, I'm joking. Should. I'm joking. I'll cite you. I'll cite you. Which I'm sure I stole Justin that from Puder, else.
1: 2023. Oh. <laughs> no, did we get to name all three of us, and then he can be at all. At all. No, there's only four of us. It doesn't do at all
3: until six. Shh.
0: Shh. No, wow. with the new
1: APA, isn't it in three? Is it what three? What if we just What if we just go off of APA six? I thought was. Oh, um, I don't know. I haven't just, published an article. But MLM. just break the rules, if he can be at all.
2: <laughs> I'll be here It's about time we have a male be at <laughs> Oh
1: God! Well, this was such a good episode, guys. Like, I I love love this. I learned a lot. Um, I hope our group members learned something too, something new. I hope people listening maybe felt some validation, maybe feel less alone um, in their own anxiety experiences. But... Thank you all for joining us in group this week. Obviously, we could not do this podcast without all of you guys listening, subscribing, participating in our polls. Always remember to like, rate, and subscribe to each of our episodes, and even share this week's episode with one of your anxious besties. I bet they'll appreciate it. Call them out a little bit. Um, And as always, we leave you with a reflection question at the end of each week. And this week, we want you to head over to our Instagram page, over to our Twitter, and tell us what is a way that you use to cope with your anxiety and let's create a whole list in the comments section of different ways and different coping skills that people can use and i can't wait to see you next week
2: bye, bye. bye
1: guys bye.